Today's episode of One Shining Podcast is brought to you by TheRinger.com and The Ringer Podcast Network, where things are shaking up. Uh, Channel 33. Is Channel 33 dead, Kyle? It's dead. It's officially dead. Rest in peace. It's it's up there in the it's it's in podcast heaven with teed up. Yep. And various others. Achievement oriented. Channel thirty three is dead. Uh what it what had happened was all the gossip, celebrity, whatever else you want to call it, podcasts on channel thirty three. That includes uh let's let's do these together. Jam session, I believe. Yep. Tea time, I believe. Yep. Um and others. <laughs> and others, yeah. I think there's others. <laughs> and others. Uh, when we started a new feed, it's called Ringer Dish. Um, you can go subscribe to that if you're into that sort of thing. Um, and then the press box, which was like the one holdover of Channel 33, now has its own feed. Which is friend. actually Channel 33. So if you're subscribed to Channel 33, Look you're subscribed to Press Box. The magic of podcasting. Uh, so yeah, Press Box, go check that out. Twice You've, a week now. Twice folks. a week. Love that podcast. Those guys are awesome. Shoemaker and, and Brian True. Curtis. Uh, if you're wondering why you haven't heard Tate's voice yet, um, well, first of all, is that out of the ordinary at this point in the podcast? Oh! I, I usually wait for Tate to start talking anyway. Here's what happened. Tate is dying. Tate, as we speak, uh, it is it is Tuesday, June 4th here in Los Angeles, California, and Tate uh, is back in North Carolina. We don't know a lot about what's going on, but we do know that his back has reached critical mass, and he may or may not be getting surgery. I saw he took a picture from under a basketball hoop the other day, so <laughs> I think he's out in the world, which is good to know. I'll say this. If you thought Tate's Instagram and Twitter behavior was was a little loopy before, just wait till he gets on pain meds from, oh, from back surgery and, and wait to see what happens. Tate is seriously, uh, he had to go to the emergency room. Um, it, it was... I don't. I, I honestly, he'll text me every so often and say what's going on, and, and Tate's always so cool about it, and just like I'm good, whatever. But then also I have to have emergency back surgery, and I'm like those seem to be conflicting thoughts, but uh, whatever. So the point is, as that pertains to this podcast, uh, we had Greg Oden. He was in town in L.A. for a. Um, he wants to get into coaching, basically, and there was a pro day, and he wanted to come out and network and watch the uh, watch these these prospects for the NBA draft uh, play a little bit and shake hands with Pat Riley and and what have you. Um, so Greg comes out for that. He's out here. We're, I was grabbing dinner with him. I was like, hey, we should do a podcast. Maybe we'll throw it on the feed as a bonus episode. Maybe we'll just, maybe we won't even run it. I don't really know. It worked out really well because we recorded this last week. And then before we can do a new episode, Tate has, is now dead. Um, so we're going to. But very much alive. <laughs> but very much alive. Just theoretically dead. He's not actually dead. As we don't think. As, I don't know. As far as this intro is concerned, he's dead. Yeah, what if, what if Tate actually dies in surgery? That would be... Uh, yeah, we'll have to we'll, we'll have to unpublish this. And we'll get a new version up. <laughs> um, so that, that's what today's show is. Uh, we, we are just going to run the Greg episode. It's about, like, what, an hour-long interview? Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, Greg came it's in. enough uh, for you guys. We had Greg on last year, um, about a year ago. I think it was, like, last July, maybe. Uh, he came to my house in Ohio. We sat down and, and spent a lot of time talking about uh, basically, are you depressed, Greg? Because that's the question that everyone wants to know is like, hey, hey, Greg, did you notice that Kevin Durant is really good and is really rich and is like uh, winning MVPs and shit and you aren't and, you, and your life sucks? Hey, how does that make you feel, man? Um, we, we already we already covered all of that. So if you're new to the party and you're like, you really want to hear if Greg Oden is, is suicidal, <laughs> because that seems to, again, be the one question that everyone wants to know. Uh, spoiler alert, he is not. He's loving life. Uh, but go listen to the first interview we did with him. We kind of covered the, that stuff. This was more um, focused on, I, I wanted to talk to him about like what Zion Williamson might be going through as like a, a very hyped prospect. We talked about like the differences between the draft in 2019 and the draft in 2007 and and what what his process would be now if he was coming out as as a, a very hyped prospect. Uh, we, we got into like what, what kind of coaching he wants to do and why he wants to get into coaching. Just a lot of stuff like that. Uh, it was more fun, more l- less of the uh, less of the serious stuff, like I said, like we did in the first interview. So that is that. We will be back next week um, with a regular scheduled program. It really sucks, Kyle. The, the timing of this is horrible because Brad Calipari announces mm. that he's transferring. I've been waiting. We have, or maybe he's not transferring, by the way. That's Whoa. the other thing, because then John comes out, Coach Cal comes out and says he's not 100% transferring. He's just putting his name out there, just putting feelers out there. Um, we have Phil Martelli, legendary St. Joe's coach, gets hired on, on Juwan Howard's staff in Michigan. We could have talked about that. That was content. Meanwhile, Luke Lock, uh, I see that I do you this. Did it again. I did it again. Luke 
Yaklich uh, has been hired at Texas. He's he's that's so look for Texas to be good at defense now. Is basically what, what we learned there. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in college basketball. I'm, I apologize from the bottom of my heart that we are not going to really cover it this week, but uh, we will be back next week. In the meantime, this is our interview with the one and only Greg Oden. But first, Kyle, you want to do the honors since Tate is not here. But first, Woody Durham. All right, we are here in Los Angeles with a good friend of mine, a recent graduate, a good friend of all of ours, but a recent graduate from The Ohio State University. I had to say the V. Um, Greg Oden, you are here in Los yeah. Angeles. Thanks for having me, fellas. Uh, you, you just graduated, as I said. What does that mean for you? What, what are you up to now? Life has begun for you. Well, I stayed on your couch last night. You did. This is um, true. It's the post-grad life. It is. It's, yeah. it's like that for everyone, even if you're number one pick. As soon as you yeah. graduate, you come out to L.A. and you couch surf. <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense, yeah. <laughs> no, it's funny. You you tried to get me to stay in your room, and I was like, fuck that. It's whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold, on, hold on. Let's Can, can, we, can we rephrase that? Are we, are we breaking news here? <laughs> oh. Yeah, Mark Titus is a chivalrous human being, oh, and he tried to get me to oh, I'm just not saying. sleep on his couch. He would sleep on the couch and allow me to sleep in his bed. Thank you. But I thought that was awkward as shit, so I just... Again, Greg, we really need to emphasize that I was not going to sleep in the bed with you. No. It I, was... Well, first off, that's not even something I would even think about. That's cool <laughs> <laughs> that we have to let people know this. I, I didn't think so. I think it says more about you for not taking the bed, because a lot of people do the... They say the first no... And then the second time right. around, they're like, all right, why not? You know, I'm in town. I'm visiting. Uh, my couch is like six feet long. Yes, and, it is. And, Very comfortable. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's five-star couch. And Greg's like, I'll sleep on it. I was like, I don't know how that's going to work out. And I said, I would sleep on it. But no, you slept on the couch last night and you're here. Uh, so what, what are what are you doing? What are you up to? What are you trying to accomplish with your life? Last time you were on our podcast was a year ago, I mm -hmm. think, last summer. Um, and we, we did the whole thing. We did the, the life story. We don't need to do that again. We don't need to revisit that. We're here now. Um, but what is next for you other than the big three? Um, trying to get my foot in the door into coaching. Uh, and the NBA is... Same. Is, uh... <laughs> Same. It's tough. As it turns out, you have to actually like network and be good at coaching. You can't just uh, change your Twitter profile and then demand someone hire you. Maybe it's you guys, harder than that. Maybe you guys I pull like the, that, the Fleetwood Mac thing where you're Lindsey Buckingham and you're Stevie Nicks and he's like, I'll go, but I have to bring yeah, Mark yeah. Titus with there me. There we go. You know, like a little package deal. I like Why that. not? I mean, no. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool. Just uh, just trying to get in coaching though. Um, I enjoyed it the past three years at the college level and, you know, I think I can do some good for, you know, some of these players. I got a little bit of knowledge of the game and about life being an NBA player. So um, I hope there's an opportunity, you know, willing to learn, do whatever I need to to get my foot in the door. Um, speaking of of helping guys and having experience and all that stuff, part of the reason I also wanted to have you in and talk to you is uh, the draft is coming up. There's a man in this draft named Zion Williamson who uh, has a certain amount of hype around him. Um, some are saying the most Some hyped, are saying, hyped yeah. athlete, basketball player it's basically of like, the 21st century. Since LeBron, it's like you and Anthony Davis and Zion and I don't know who else, but there are very few guys that have reached this level of, um, yeah. As, as I have to explain to everyone. Oh, yeah, Michael Porter. Michael, Michael Porter. Porter was yeah. up there. Yeah. As I have to explain to everyone, uh, when, when they revisit the 2007 draft, it wasn't that people had no idea Kevin Durant would be this good. It was that they knew Durant was going to be this good. You were just that much better you were hyped uh and the point of bringing this up is like um what 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 is like is zion going through right now what uh wh what do you see like him experiencing and and the difference when you were going through it in 07 because i feel like you had it much easier than he has it he's getting ripped to, not ripped to shreds i shouldn't say that. he's getting over it like the, the fact that his shoe blows out and then everyone talks about him for nonstop for every second of and 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 Back then, when you were playing, it was just sort of like, it just felt like, I don't know, you're a really good player, and that's really all we're going to talk about. It wasn't like analyzing to the nth degree with everything. Oh, I remember. Mm -hmm. It was, a uh, well, 2007 was different because it was Portland, Seattle. So mm. your mindset was kind of... <laughs> I don't Pacific like rain. Pacific Northwest. What, yeah. was your, what was your... Uh, I was talking about... Uh, 
they were showing they were trying to pretend like Zion when New Orleans came up. He was really upset because he wanted to go to New York. Mm-hmm. And then I was telling Tate about uh when when we were watching the lottery in 07 in the dorm. And I, I do you remember that experience of watching the lottery, knowing like this is where I'm going to probably spend at the time. You're like this is probably where I'll spend the next 15 years of my life, whichever city pops up. Uh, no, I got on a flight before it happened, and when I landed, so I got on the flight thinking Boston and Memphis had the two best chances. Mm-hmm. And I landed like Portland, Seattle. What? I've never even been over there before. That's whatever. Did I just rob Palinka myself? By the way, because I remember you coming into the door. This must have been. This must have been like two days later after this. Because yeah. <laughs> I told the story to Tate. Oh, I was like, like, Greg, we were at dinner. Yeah, I was like, I'll never the forget. Lottery. I'll never forget Greg and Heath, Heath Ledger. Ledger <laughs> Walked into my room. Hey, see how it happens. Yeah, I was definitely on the flight because I remember that because I was actually with Jody. And but I remember, I remember, I remember you coming into the dorm and like just like the first thing that must have been like two days later. But I remember you coming in the dorm and you're just like, so Portland, huh? Yeah. And you're like, what do you know about Portland? And I was like, nothing, Greg. And that was, yeah. It was definitely after, like not the same day of the draft. So what, I mean, so what, what are your feelings like when that happened? Like as you're. You just don't care. You're just like, I just want to play in the NBA. Well, you put it out the difference. It's like Zion is in a room and he does the whole walk around all the teams. Yeah. Everyone's sitting. He like pats the Atlanta Hawks thing and everyone gets all excited. Zion he, was he, there. He was there at the actual lottery, yeah, which is what you're talking awkward. about. The, yeah, exactly. So the difference between 07 and 12 years now we have, like you could have been there. Portland gets the number one pick and then camera pan, pans to Greg and Greg right. is like... Yeah, I've never yeah. been to Portland. You know what I mean? And like, imagine, I don't know. And imagine like all all the lead up to your draft, where it's the the Odin sweepstakes. I mean, th- this was going on back then, but it wasn't like like they they were doing the dry, draft lottery. It wasn't even the draft lottery. It was the Zion thing, mm-hmm. and they would they're showing like photoshops of Zion and Knicks uniforms, and like given the whole Knicks history because it's like the chosen one has to go to New York to save this bullshit franchise, and this this was like the whole thing about it. And I don't remember that being a thing, and I feel like you would hate that very yeah, much that, yeah, that, that that would not have su- suited you well that would have been way too much i mean that's a spectacle for tv not for zion yeah i think because whatever happens is going to be a surprise to him he, he really doesn't know um and so for everybody to do all that and use pan just to get his reaction that's all for tv and to be put in that situation i'm Damn, he's a better man than me. <laughs> and, and so, like, when did you? When did that click in your mind? I mean, I guess it did at some point once you were, you know, getting, you know, recruited so high out of high school. But when did you know, like, oh, this isn't necessarily about me. This is about TV. This is about the fans. This is about the whole, you know, mm-hmm. experience of being a professional, you know, basketball fan in in today's time. And it's not necessarily about your journey, even though everyone's going to be a part of your journey mm-hmm. at least to a certain level. Because now I feel like everyone's tethered to Zion. But you know, what happens when? Let's say Cole Anthony next year has another Zion year. You know, what what happens in that sense? You know, do people forget? Because once you get in the league and you're a rookie, it's not the same. People, for, you know, we're not talking about Marvin Bagley or DeAndre Ayton the same way we were last summer. So, like, how do you deal with that shift, uh, you know, as you move on, I guess? Uh, you got to prove yourself. I mean, if you wanted to keep on coming, then you got to be LeBron, basically. <laughs> yeah. You know? Not a lot of people are able to do that. You get that much hype, and then you come in, and that first game you got to dominate, you know. Like, for me, it was tough. You know, you have that type of hype, and then, what, three months into it, I'm having, you know, season-ending surgery. So it was like, well, damn, what's going on? <laughs> you damn. know, and then, then, <laughs> and then you just move on to, damn, the, to the next guy, you know? That's, damn, that's Some tough. That, you know? Damn, that's tough. <laughs> Should be the title of your autobiography. <laughs> it is. It is different though. Just being even a, being a big man in two thousand and seven. Now, I mean, it's like we you were so you were part of this old ilk of guys where they're talking about you know Akeem and they're talking about Patrick Ewing and all these all these big men these these pioneers in the mm-hmm. game that made like Will you know Bill Russell whatever it may be. So you're going already into that umbrella while the game is already changing at a certain point. And now you you want the opposite of big man. You want like a yes. small man to be your big man. And you're like Grant Williams. Is he the five of the future at six seven? And is he is that is that what we you know like these are this is what people want now is uh um the next Draymond Green to play the five and like I told yeah. you I I got a lot more respect for Grant Williams after seeing him yesterday and realizing he is yeah we were at, six six w- push mm-hmm. we should mention we were at the uh what, what were we at the BDA. Pro day. The pro day. Yeah. Yeah. And um, um yeah, seeing those guys and 
all the work he's done at Tennessee. And then when I actually saw his size, I was like, what the, f oh my God. Oh, okay. Okay. So <laughs> let's talk about the, 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 the pro day. Um, first of all, I, this is the first one that I had ever been to. Uh, Same here. That's what I was going to ask you. It feels like it's completely worthless. Um, and it's just like a networking thing where like we had Rastillo on the podcast and he was talking about the combine. Rastillo goes to the combine every year and he said, uh, he's not really there for the basketball. He's just there to sort of network. And that's the vibe that I got at this thing too. Um, so my question to you is, was, did you do this? But it sounds like you didn't. No, I never, never did had any to of the do one days. of those. Um, and what I are your did thoughts go to on the, the combine. What are like your thoughts on the idea of the pro day, the idea of the combine and, and this idea that like all the, all the people that are there. And we, we saw this yesterday, like all the people that are there are doing the same thing where you bump into someone, you know, that works in media or another coach. And they all do the same thing where they're like, this is bullshit. Why are we here? This is a waste of time. This isn't going to change my opinion on anybody. Um, and I don't really understand what the point of all that is. So like as a player, uh, my question is what would, what would that be like for you to know, to have to do that, knowing that that's what well, everyone's sort of thinking I, I about? I think you looked at it a little bit differently than me because for me, networking with those people was actually a good thing. You no, know, I'm saying the networking's important. I'm saying the players, like if you're if you're Al Durham from Indiana who enters his name into the draft, he's probably not going to get drafted. He knows that, but he has this opportunity to ball out in front of Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra and Rob Palinka's there. And and he, he walks into this gym and he's like, Oh my God, this might be my opportunity. And then come to find out, like those guys are just like looking at their watches, like, what the hell am I doing here? I'm like, oh, what is well, going on? Well, I mean, that means he didn't take advantage of his opportunity. So everything you're saying is definitely a, a positive to me. As a player, you're like, all oh, these guys are in the room. All I got to do is get their attention. So I'm going to go ball out. I'm going to go be Jalen that guy. Was, Jalen Hans was getting the attention. Jalen Hans was doing like 360 windmills. And it was, yeah, but... It was funny. But then he was airballed some threes, yeah. too. But, but, he, but he got their attention. He, he was a part of Yeah, maybe he was a He's like, you know, I got to go be an athlete out here. <laughs> no, I, I thought, you know, something like that is... I'm looking at it like whoever I'm going up against, I mean, I can't control what they're looking at or what they're trying to see. But if I go out there and I dominate and give that effort, if the time comes, end of the first round, end of the second round, and they see me and then they realize that, you know, I work hard every day and they saw me in that pro day, saw something that, you know, might help them put me on the team, a summer league team, something, you know, just keep it back in their head. Um, I would definitely take advantage of that. So I think that's a positive. But are you speaking? Things. Are you speaking as like a guy who is a fringe first rounder? Are you speaking as you yourself? Okay. As the first, like no, what, I'm not speaking of myself. I'm, I'm saying take yourself back player. to 2007. So, so old boy from IU that you just talked about. Didn't you just say you read that he decided that he was going back to school? Yeah, he's coming so back. Yeah, it was a pro day and he was doing this thing, but maybe he saw and he got feedback saying, you know what, it wasn't enough. Maybe some school. Would I know. Be I'm. I, I know. I'm talking about you yourself. Take your back to take yourself back to. 2007 and this current this current structure of what the draft is now exists in 2007 like the, mm -hmm. you had the combine back then but now it's mm -hmm. become like this a bigger thing and and these pro days are things like i don't mm -hmm. i don't really remember that being a thing quite as I much i don't remember it being yeah. a thing either but i was also projected you know first so, so even if i did go up. i wouldn't even just participate yeah. i would be sitting right there in street clothes and what did you what did you do at the, the combine? michael porter jr yeah, yeah exactly what did you do at the combine i actually did the um i did the lifts and uh the running no the jumping and the running i didn't do the lifts because of my wrist Mm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, or you were worried after Durant. So you, you also lift the bar. So you also benched one eighty five zero times. Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. No one knew that. It's <laughs> yeah. a nice tidbit behind the scenes there. I, I do think it's weird with all these pro days, and then you have the team workouts also. So we get the combine. We get these pro days. Now, right. see, I, so I, that's why I want to say it was different because we was talking to um, a coaching friend of mine, uh, Dane Johnson, and it's not a lot of workouts so far. And I feel like I don't know if you remember Daquan. Daquan literally did, what, 17 workouts. Yeah. You know, he, he basically worked out for everybody, and it was, like, nonstop. So <laughs> he was just trying to get in front of these people in the teams. But now, I guess, you know, you have your agencies, and they're doing the pro days, and the teams are just coming there. 
How important uh, we 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 saw you, you brought up that you would have sat out if you had to do the pro day. We saw that yesterday. R.J. Barrett was at the the BDA pro day, but he was wearing just the jumpsuit and just kind of walking around and saying, "I'm R.J. Barrett. You don't need to see me play anymore." That's not what um, he said. He didn't. <laughs> I'm actually, he didn't say that. A, a fan of his. I like what he said. But <laughs> he said it without saying it. But uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm R.J. Barrett, yeah. and I shoot the ball. Yeah, there's there's a reason he was not participating in this pro day, and it's because yes, he's he. <laughs> He's already made his uh, statement on who he is as a player. I think everybody else made that statement for him. So how, but he's a guy who coming into this year was the number one recruit in the country. Uh, Zion was not number one. Zion was number three, I believe. Reddish was two, right? Number three, yeah. So R.J. Barrett coming into the season was the number one recruit. He was the guy that people thought would go number one overall. Um, And then he watches his teammate now supplant him and, and is probably going to be the number one pick. How important was it for you uh, to be number one? And you're going to say it wasn't, but like, let's get the, we'll 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 get that out of the way. Oh, it wasn't. I didn't really care that much. Okay, now give us the real answer. Like when when it's you and Durant, and and you you're weighing these decisions on how much you participate in the combine, all that kind of stuff. Um, like a guy like R.J. Barrett, I have to like we did talk to him briefly, and he does seem just kind of cool and whatever. He just wants to play ball and all that kind of stuff, but. There has to be some small Even part of you. Even though he wasn't like, playing ball. Yeah, exactly. He just wants to exactly. play ball. Yeah. Some small part of you wants to be definitely number one, right? Uh yeah. I mean, that's just it's a number one draft pick. Everybody wants that that dream of walking upstairs first and, you know, shaking the commissioner's hand and, you know, taking that picture first. That that's what you remember from that draft. Um but for me, when I thought about it, it was like, okay. I would go to Portland. I think it's a better fit as a team for me as a center coming to a team with a scoring wing and a scoring four-man already. That would be idea. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle, it was going to be you start your own franchise. And as you all know, the game was changing, and it was tough at that time to think, you know, all right, how are you going to do this? How are you going to be Shaq? How are you going to change right. around the whole entire franchise right now from the mm-hmm. center position? Um, so that was something that I thought about. Um, but I definitely wanted to be the number one draft pick, but everybody wants to be the number one draft pick till you realize you're the first one to go up there, first interview, and then you're the last interview too, after the whole entire draft is done. So I was the first one to go back. I was the last one to leave that draft arena after everything was all over with. So, Oh, really? Yeah, that's how how much of the, how much like business decisions went into preserving your position as number one. Like uh, you know, you you were number one like pretty much all season. Everyone thought you were going to be number one. So then, as the draft's approaching, as you're like in May of 2007, and are are your people? Because um, I was not I was not in the room for these meetings. Mm-hmm. You did not let me in the room back then. Um, we're, you were, were still were the, you were in the dorm room. Yeah, I was in the dorm Greg room. Greg was on a flight going to Portland yes. to be with Nike. Yeah. I was not on that flight. <laughs> oh, uh, are are there discussions about this of like uh, figuring out ways to make sure you're still number one and improve your draft stock and all that, or is it just like those are decisions that I wouldn't even know? Those you weren't are, even a part of any of no. that. Yeah, I mean, well, how much agency did you have? I mean, like in participating in the combine and the pro day, and like where you took because this is the. This is kind of what we're seeing now is um, even a guy like Zion, after the lottery happens, his stepdad's the one getting in front of the microphone mm-hmm. and saying this and that and saying Zion is going to stay in the NBA. And it's like, we appreciate your comment, but like it's kind of interesting that it's coming from you and not him. And it makes it feel... And Zion came out and said, I would lo- if I could, if I had it my way, I would go back to Duke. Mm-hmm. And that was like a really bizarre thing because it's like, do you not have it your way? Who's holding <laughs> you hostage here? Can't you make the decision yourself? Um, so how much, yeah, how much did you... I mean, it's kind of like when you got... Like, if you guys were offered just randomly, somebody offered you, you know, the spot in the number one movie coming up. Like, if there was fucking the Avengers and you're the leading guy, you're like, the greatest opportunity in the world just was given to me? Like, are you just yeah. going to turn it down just because? Well, no, I'm, th- I know that decision. I'm saying, like, as far as, uh, like, combine decisions. Were these your decisions to say, I want to do the shuttle run? Or were they? Or did you have a team say, well, Greg, we think th- th- there are questions about your lateral quickness, so we want to, to answer these questions here, 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 and here. But also, we think you're going to fuck up in this thing, so let's not do this thing. Um, and let's, you know... Those weren't like decisions that were made by me, but That's what you I know, mean, yeah. those are probably decisions that are made when you guys question it in the media. Actually, you know, those are all the questions that come from. It's like, who's asking these questions? You see me play, 
He's dominated. Oh, but yeah, I'm worried about his lateral movement. Okay. Really? Yeah. So you want me to do this lateral shuffle, but you don't want me to play the five on five. Which one is going to transfer more? You know, it's all about playing. Like, fuck if he can walk on two feet. If he can go out there and dunk on somebody and you can't stop him when the game's going on, who really cares about everything else? Mm -hmm. But that's an old school mindset, you know? It's, it's different now. It is weird, though. Like, the top five projected picks probably in this draft all decided not to get measured and use their measurements from college. And, you know, Zion's in that group, RJ's in that group, and, you know, RJ's listed at 6'7", Zion's listed at 6'7", you know, and, and a lot of people are like, you know, even probably more around 6'6". Six, six and, and so the, all those guys protect what they already have and that's already been taken at school. And so that seems like a decision that was made by all those five guys. Well, I didn't know that. But from my decision in 07, it was kind of like, okay, there was a decision made that we weren't going to have to play mm -hmm. at the combine. Yeah. But everything else... I came with the idea that you had to. If you were going into the draft, all that other stuff you had to do. Yeah. Um, I had an injury, so I didn't have to lift. And the, everything else I had to do. So like, I didn't I mean. even it's, know it was a it's choice. It's like shocking mm -hmm. looking back that Kevin Durant even attempted the bench press because he had to have known going in that he could not do a single bench press of 185. That, that, that was not a surprise to him. I think that's what we're talking about, though. I think the agency has gotten so involved on that side that they're yeah. like, now they've made it so they do have a choice. Like, I don't yeah. know if they necessarily had a choice in 2007, yeah. but now we're so deep into the vortex. These agents are like, no, Kevin Durant's not going to lift, actually. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If if Kevin Durant was coming out now, he wouldn't he wouldn't get within 100 and yards. And it's bad of a, business a for the NBA to force press. him to lift because he's going to yeah. go join their corporation. You know what I mean? Like he's going to come, he's going to be an employed by the NBA. So why would they, you know, be a deterrent to him from the start? Yeah. True. True. Um, <laughs> what a damn. What? So you're, you're trying to get a coaching job. We we covered this. Uh, where where what is your ideal situation? College, ideal situation pro, would be high school. Pro. I mean, mm. professionals is where everybody you know aspires to. You be. mean like NBA pro or like G League or like um, NBA pro. New Zealand with RJ Hampton or <laughs> professional NBA, okay. the best <laughs> basketball in the world. Um, mm. That's definitely an idea where everybody wants to get to and wherever I can start to get my foot in the door that way, if it has to be G League, if it has to be in the video room, um, I've been, you know, shown some of these things and willing to learn, um, do whatever I can because that's just what I enjoy doing. I enjoy being around the game. I enjoy learning about the game. I, I, I have to ask you, and this is something that happens with a lot of former big men, Patrick Ewing is a great example of this. They almost get put in a position where they become the big man coach. And granted, mm -hmm. we just talked about the games evolving, so we don't have the traditional fives. Clint Capella, some of these guys would be, I guess, you know, who they would be coaching. But Patrick Ewing was going from job to job, and they're like, okay, you just coach the big guys. And so he was getting almost boxed into a certain position, and he was getting frustrated by it. So for you coming from that vantage point, you said you're willing to work in the video room, do whatever. Uh, are, are you worried about teams trying to get you to just basically coach big men because you are a big man? Um, well, I mean, I am a big man, and I kind of know how to coach <laughs> big men. I yeah, mean, I've yeah. done it before, so I mean, or do you want to coach I big men? Yeah, I understand the you know being put in the box, but you got to understand like when you're doing that, I'm gonna take it upon myself to show that I know other stuff, mm -hmm. that I'm knowledgeable with some of these guard moves because as a big man, you need to know. Because everybody's switching everything now. So mm -hmm. for me, I'm going to have to know what these guards are doing, how to defend them, um, how to take advantage of them. As a big, you know, when a guard switches on to me, I'm not running out to the three. <laughs> I'm going down to the post. Because mm -hmm. like I told him yesterday, it was like, yes, these quick guards have the advantage over a big guarding them out on the wing. But a big also has the advantage on the post when I got uh, – 5'11", 6-foot guard guarding me, too. Mm -hmm. Just give me the ball. I won't or even, even dribble. Just turn six around and shoot the Draymond, ball. 6'5", six, six Draymond. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean you know, if he's switching on to Embiid, I'm, everybody clear out and get Embiid the ball on the post. I mean, that's just something that I would do. But, you know, you have to be knowledgeable of all of the positions because everybody's switching nowadays. So even the wings, you got to know how to come at that. You got to know how to defend that. You got to know how to take advantage of that. So I've said this many times about you coaching big men. My big fear is that you... Compare everybody to me. Yeah, and that's and not going to happen because I was watching some of my highlights from Portland in, uh, I want to say, 2009. And I was like, God damn, you suck. You weren't, <laughs> you weren't even in shape. It was like game two. I was like, fuck. 
I know. I know. I started to play a little bit better as it came along, but what the video the, I watched was like, God what, damn, what if we boy? come full circle with the Durant Odin thing? Where like Durant creates burner accounts to defend himself, and Greg creates burner accounts to like make fun of himself. And he's like, Greg's great. Greg, he's you, like, look at this you fat watch ass. It. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like he's, turns oh, out Greg Odin's account. <laughs> Daddy loves comments. They're like what the hell? Yeah. Um. So Jawan Howard just gets hired at Michigan. Congratulations. Uh, yeah. Yes. First of all, you have the Miami ties. So you, uh, how well do you know Jawan personally? I played with Jawan in Portland, and he was my coach. That's right. Yeah, he was in Portland. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, I, I wanted to talk about like, I made this point to Tate on on this trend of guys like Patrick Ewing and Chris Mullen and Penny Hardaway and Jawan Howard. Uh, these guys who made names for themselves in the NBA um, are for most people, when you hear their names and you think about their NBA careers immediately um, and they're now going back to college to coach college basketball. And then, and a lot of them have not found success. Uh, some of them are still early on. Penny's still early on. Jawan obviously hasn't even coached a game yet. Um, but the trend of this happening, going back to even like Clyde Drexler at Houston, I think we brought that up. Um, the trend of this happening is that they don't find success. And my theory is that guys of your stature, guys like you who are so good, um, you grow up wanting to play in the NBA. It's always all about the NBA. And the idea of college is just kind of an afterthought. And you eventually fall in love with college along the way. But the goal to hear you say it, as you're saying right now, is you want to still coach in the NBA. Um, is that something that it, would, you'd say is a fair assessment? Obviously, you can't speak for Jawan Howard, but uh, just the fact that you said you want to coach in the NBA when I know how much Ohio State means to you, I know how much college basketball meant to you. Um, I just find that fascinating. And do you think that's like fair assessment for me to have of to, to be sort of worried that Jawan Howard, not that he's not going to do a good job, but that I don't think like Jawan Howard does not strike me as a guy that wants to spend the next 25 years of his life in Ann Arbor, Michigan, coaching the Wolverines. Like, I think his aspiration is still like, I would love to take over for Spolstra someday, or I would love to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I can't speak for him, but. I know for me, I want to coach in the NBA. I want to coach Ohio State one day. I mean, I want to do it all. Um, we can you can't do both. I actually, you I can't actually do both at the same time, but you can eventually. We got a tried, long life. Indiana <laughs> fans tried to get Brad Stevens to coach the Hoosiers and the Celtics at the same time, and it, it turns out you cannot do that. You can't no, do it both. Cannot. So you have to pick one, Greg, unfortunately. <laughs> no, you cannot. But, I mean, these guys, the one thing I, I just hope for them is time because, as you know, it, it takes – at least three, four years to get your guys to change the program around. Spoken like a true coach right here. I mean, (laughs) it it does. And then, you know, probably year five, it's your culture now. And now you're really going to build. When guys come in, you're you're getting these type of players. Like, look, this is what we want, and this is how things are going to go here. But that takes time to build. When you come in a program, you're actually having somebody else's vision of what this team should be. So it takes some time to turn it around. And all you need to do is give these guys some time, as you give a lot of other coaches time. You know, how come you can't get these ex-players time who actually knows and, and spent time in that university and build good programs there quickly but you know that's that's just the the nature of the beast but you know if you give these guys time i think they can do some I really agree. good work kevin stallings was given a raw deal i completely <laughs> agree <laughs> fired too soon mm-hmm. gone mm-hmm. too soon it is it is interesting though just like looking at the patrick ewing and Jawan howard not to say that patrick ewing is trying to use georgetown to get back to the nba to be a head coach but those were their those were the opportunities to be head coaches they weren't in the nba to, you know they didn't give you know, we even saw when the Lakers were interviewing everyone and they were giving the three-year deals to some guys in the five-year. And the five-year deal was just going to be for, you know, some certain coach that they were going to possibly get to come save them. But, you know, former ex-players were coming out and saying, why would you not give Ty Lue the five-year deal? He's an ex-player. He's a part of the NBA, yada, yada, yada. And then some people were saying, well, they, they just don't want him to be around. They don't want him to be a head coach, whatever it may be. And then now guys have to go back to college that have the ilk of a Jawan Howard or a Patrick Ewing just to get their first opportunity. So what does that kind of say about the NBA? Uh, I'm not the NBA. I can't speak to the NBA. So <laughs> All right. Why are you looking at All right. Me? <laughs> Kyle, Kyle, call Adam Silver and Kyle. let's get him on the line. Yeah, yeah let's figure this out. Uh, no, I just find it interesting because like th- that was his first opportunity to be a head coach and it's in college. And there- there's so much yeah. back and forth between, you know, the NBA talks about college basketball, college basketball talks about professional basketball. But they're so tethered together in some way. And it's nice that college basketball has now become a nice way for these guys to get opportunities to be head coaches to then maybe make the leap back to the NBA and get a real job. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's a it's a good opportunity for a lot of guys. And 
especially with these ex players, with everything going on in the NCAA, I think it's just mm-hmm. good to get guys who care about basketball back. Mm-hmm. You know, you get coaches. Did you say back or bag? <laughs> basketball back? Mm-hmm. Back. Okay. Yes. Okay. Bag. I'm actually Let's going away from the bags. bags. That's okay. what okay. I'm talking about. I, I actually, just, getting away from sure that right. from those bags being <laughs> dropped, and to uh, getting you know coaches who want to get these players and want to see them succeed. You know, as a basketball player professionally, doesn't matter if it's overseas. You know, you want coaches who been there, done all these things, and be like, look, this is opportunity for you. I'm gonna be honest with you. You know, you might struggle in the G League, and it's gonna be a, a hard time. But going over here. Overseas, you know, might be better fitted for you, you know. But, you know, you come here to this university, you you know I'm going to take care of you as a coach. I'm going to care for you as yeah. a coach. Not just drop the bag and be like, you should be okay. You uh, <clears throat> you you belong in the NBA, by the way, because I, I just now realize as you're you're talking about being honest and taking care of these guys, uh, I, I feel like you'd be a horrible recruiter because you're way too honest. You keep it too real. And I'm watching you talk to the – and all the, all the years I've known you and all the times I've seen you, like, meet other players, and now you've kind of gotten – we've gotten older and – you're in this like mentorship role and uh, where, you know, it's not like that serious, but like I, I have watched you interact. I mean, yesterday we're there, some of the guys mm-hmm. that come up to you and just sort of the so, things you would say, you're way too honest with these guys. And I could see you. I didn't know that not, was. Not being able to. Well, I'm saying, yes, that's not a good thing. I thought I was thing. supposed to be. I, I don't know how else no. to be. Smiling to like walking no, away scared when shitless. You, yeah, when you go into someone's <laughs> living room to recruit them and you're like, I'm going to be honest with you. I just you know f- they never yeah. really love you. <laughs> 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 hey, I mean, I, I feel like when when you're recruiting, when I grew up, that's that's what my mom wanted to hear. She wanted to hear some, you know, some mm. sincerity when I hear a coach say, "Look, I'm gonna take care of your son, mm. you know, for this next year, or four years, you know, whatever it is." And now, being the age I am, if I'm trying to get a, a kid to come to my team, that's all I want to know. I, I want you to know that I want the best for you as a young man, young woman. Um, I want you to grow in a great atmosphere, and I want you to use basketball to better yourself because, I mean, that's what it's done for me. But you're not afraid to nag their talent and be like— mm-hmm. Why Why would you sugarcoat something? You got to be honest <laughs> with these kids, man. Because how else we gonna, How else they going to get better? If you're sitting there telling no, them I'm that, saying, you know, they're the greatest thing and, you know, they have no flaws, how are they going to get better? No, I'm you saying once, they, on once mm-hmm. they get there, do that. I'm saying to get them— <laughs> Greg Schoen recruits commit. him yes. in 2009 playing for Portland. He's like, look at this. He's like, I could have been better. I told you, he's fat <laughs> as fuck. Yeah. Like, I couldn't run up and down the court. He's like, my coach talks shit about himself. I want to play for this guy. <laughs> what about just— an, in general, the stigma of being an ex-player who is a coach, because uh, that seems to be a thing at, at every level where uh, you're not ex-players, unless you're unless you had a reputation as just like basically being a point guard who yeah. was a genius, like a Steve Nash type. I feel like like if Steve Nash wanted to coach, I'm sure everyone would love that and would be like, oh, he's going to do a great job. But basically, every other player, the stigma is like, you guys are idiots, and the coaches are the smart people. So. The, the the people who should be really given the coaching jobs are the ones that have been trying to be coaches their whole lives, not these guys who are playing. Oh, not, um, not the guys who are actually on the court, actually making the changes on the fly. You know, those those are the guys who I want to see become coaches. Guys right. who are actually going through it, who is documented. You've seen these guys dominate out there on the court. Why, if he can't think it in real time, how come he can't think it from the sidelines? when he has four other guys mm-hmm. that's supposed to help him put their input also. I mean, it's not just about one guy, the ex-player. It's about the whole entire coaching staff. You know, everybody's working together for the betterment of that team to win that game. So I'm not just He's putting got the it coach all on, down, on, doesn't he? I know. You're, oh, yeah. I know. I'm like, hire this man. This is a, that's a polite way of saying that's a very boring answer, by the way. But oh, okay, I'm a boring guy. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. No, I liked it. I think that was the. I'm uh, a boring I, guy. I, I do think. I do think it might be a culture war that happens at some point with these coaches, where it's like the non-playing coaches versus the former player coaches. You know, right? What I mean? Yeah. Where like the and then the analytic staff, analytics like right in the middle, the it's like a Venn school. diagram, yeah. and everyone's like fighting over the space. I mean, you could fight over the space. That's but why you're happy. You're I'm a bigger. Big man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <I'm bigger>. yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it all works together because you got to be able to use that stuff too. I mean, you got to be able to look at a shot chart and just be like, look, man, you're. You're more comfortable shooting from, you know, the the right side baseline, you know. Mm-hmm. Let, let's work on how we can get you to that spot. Mm-hmm. You know, your point guard, he's better coming downhill with his left hand, you know. Let's figure out how we're going to get guys to move around, get that switch with that right person who can't stay in front of you while you're going 
downhill with your left hand. Mm-hmm. You know, that's it's all going to work together. I mean, and you just got to be willing to look at it differently and, and, you know, take some input from other people. I mean, I want to ask you about this. You talked about getting to your spot. And this is something that I always find fascinating when you look back at like Jordan or you hear like interviews with like Reggie Miller, all these guys from the 90s. Even Donovan Mitchell was great about it coming out of the draft. He was like, I know exactly where I want to get to the court. Kobe was, you know, a, a master at that. I feel like some of these guys that come out now that have been, you know, in the A, we've talked about the AAU stuff before, but they don't necessarily know what they're good at yet at all, but they are just this raw talent. Mm. Like, I don't have a spot. I don't even have a shot, but I'm 6'8", you know, I'm 225, and I have a 7'3 wingspan. And people seem to think I'm good at basketball because they keep telling me, and I I score 30 30 points every time I go out. So that's what I I find. It's so hard because you see a guy like Siakam, right? Like Siakam, when they first found him, I think Masai was saying he could, you know, he didn't really have much going on at all, and now he's a potential all-star. He's developed into this. So when you're on the pro level, I just I wonder how hard it is to decipher what guys can take that role mm-hmm. down and become a basketball player. Like, what do you see in a guy? And like, how are we so far removed from guys being able to, to talk about? I got to get to this spot on the court because I don't, I don't really hear that out of Cam Reddish too much. Well, I mean, I look at it this way: like a guy who knows how to get to the spot. That's one of the slower, smarter players. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys that sometimes you can't take off the court, but half the time you're like, why the hell is he on the court? It's Kyle Lowry. <laughs> I mean. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's him. I haven't depicted his whole game like that. But, but I mean, he's a. I mean, I mean but, he makes winning I mean, plays yeah. and he knows where he has to go. He's but, not. He's going to out. He's not going to be an athlete and and do something and outwill you in a certain way. But all these guys working together, you know, is, is going to make a a good team. You know, you got guys who can just run all day, and mm-hmm. then your developmental teams like look. He can run all day, but when he's getting here, he's actually pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. So let's develop that. And then you know, let's just bring it out a little bit. Let's bring it out a little bit. Now you got your analytics, you got data like, look, he's good here, he's good here, now let's just make it work. But he's always been able to run for 35, 40 minutes straight without getting tired. That's the type of guy you need. That's why these developmental guys and guys who are analytic and really looking at these guys like, look, okay, we could take advantage of this raw talent and we can develop this. That's uh, really important. I really hate my... uh, my real life answers. No, I'm not. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I'm just letting it. you go, man. I'm just letting it be like a resume. This is the resume for Greg Oden. We will put this We're trying to get you hired. I want to, yes. because as Tate said, if you get hired, I get hired. Right? No. Right? <laughs> right? That's what Tate said. That's not what I said. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I will say, if Mick Cronin hires Greg Oden, I will cover UCLA with the brightest, <laughs> the brightest way possible. I will talk only glowingly about UCLA lady, about the program. This is a good point. How do you history? talk about it now? Uh, like what it is. I mean, I, you know, you know, I enjoy it. Uh, it is. You know. How many games? I like the three. Si- hey, look, I like the three. Th- uh, three sixty dunks are good. The air balls from three, not good. Not, that, not that's, as good. That's yeah. what we'll say. Um, you you signed up to do the big three. I did. Didn't you? Correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't you get drafted like two years ago for that? And no. So my name happened? was in the draft um, for the past two years, and I didn't get drafted. But this year you did get drafted. But this year I did. Get so drafted. are you trying to make a comeback to the NBA? Is that what I'm supposed to mm. believe here? Coaching, this, yeah. <laughs> LeBron, can we can we put it in the title? Uh, the title <laughs> of this podcast: Greg Oden on his comeback to the NBA on his on his quest to come back to the NBA. One Fuck. last time. <laughs> no. Greg Oden on his quest to LA. No. Greg I mean, Oden. Look, quote, I, I enjoy quote, playing, I still think man. I got some left in the tank. No. Yes. Uh, it's three well, on three. Can, my city king. Can, can you just lean in the microphone and say, I still think I have some left in the tank so we can actually make that a direct quote, please? Please. And we'll we'll cut the video and we can say... We can I still fuck no have something in the tank <laughs> to go. play well, in the NBA. Well, we, can, we can cut that out. That's, that out. that's called editing. Chop that, that up. We'll make that, and yeah, and we'll get a lot of clicks. It'll be great. No, nah, man. You know, um, it's three on three. I, I know I'm, I'm trying to get myself in shape. Um, it's going to be quick moving, games to 50. Um, but like I said, I can get some rebounds, and I'm seven feet tall, and I can get a hook shot off. Do you have Ice Cube's number now? I do not. But, I mean, I can always reach them because social media, everybody has everybody's number. Yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I like the idea of like you being friends with Ice Cube. Me too. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm, you should make that I happen. really want to hit the yay, yay when I see him. <laughs> I mean, I'm like the super fan. Um, Friday After Next is literally like my all-time favorite movie. I saw so. Mike Epps the other day. Really? Yeah. 
he was mean to my friend. He was not, he was very upset about uh the dog walked by him. He thought the dog was, was coming after him. Mike Epps oh. was like, I don't play that. And I was like, Mike Epps is the best. <laughs> I actually went and saw him. <laughs> yeah, like, I just saw him in Columbus like three, four weeks ago. It was good. Okay. Hometown. Mike Epps what, is hilarious. Speaking of another Mike, what are we what are we doing to get Mike traded oh, yes. to Memphis? What can you and I do? How do we figure this out? Like he's going to get traded, but we gotta we gotta pick the right spot. It's gotta be the right fit. Um Utah. Utah. That's mm. your pick? Yeah, replace Rubio. I'm not saying replace anybody. But no, I think Ru- Utah is a You're good thinking, fit. Well, Rubio's a free agent, so they need a point guard. So Greg yeah. Greg's too selfless. He's he's thinking about Mike and like what would be a good fit for Mike. I'm talking about us. You and I. <laughs> yeah. No, on the way here, no, on, on the way here, he goes, the quick fix for me not having friends out here in LA is <laughs> Mike Conley coming to the Lakers. Or the Clippers. <laughs> no, I, no. <laughs> this no, no, was no. a true story. No, I, he said what I said this was in the Titus, car ride. Titus, you're I slowly going to become Tommy Alter. No I see pictures of Mike Conley, Ice Cube, Kanye. <laughs> the quote was: "The quote was Mike getting traded to the Lakers would solve every problem I have in my life." That yes. was the quote. <laughs> <laughs> that was the direct quote. If Mike ends up on the Lakers, every problem I have in my life will immediately go away. He was like, "You're not moving here, so Mike is the quickest fix." I need Mike. Um, Mick Cronin, hire Greg Oden. Yeah, please. That is what we he want. Doesn't, he doesn't want to coach in college, though. He wants to. He wants I to never said I did not want to coach in college. It's um, called a pit stop. What else What else we got to talk about? What rookies do you like? What What guys have you yes. seen from college basketball, from watching college basketball or going to these pro days or anything um, else? I mean, this is the only one I went to. Let's see. Who stood out last night? Um, guy from uh, Terrence Mann. Oh, yeah. yeah from Florida State. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he stood out yesterday. Yeah. Um, there was a couple guards who um, I saw that. Damn, I wish I had that that sheet. Um, oh, the, <laughs> the little the, sheet, the, sheet. They left such a lasting impression. I don't yeah. remember their names. <laughs> um, <laughs> Greg sounded like Pat Riley already. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like Noara. Um, not Jordan, just Jordan from, Noir. Yeah, yeah, not just from the uh, pro day, but when I watched Louisville, I was like, man, when he turns it on, mm-hmm. man, it's he's really freaking good. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? I mean, Zion, RJ. What? How do you feel about Romeo Langford? Romeo Langford and Cam Reddish are the two big question marks for me in this draft. In, I mean, if, if, if Cam's shooting lights out, yeah, it, um, then you know, go for it. Um, Romeo, Make, if he's making shots, he's yeah. good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he's not making shots, not as good. I agree. Romeo is it's tough. I, I'm still an Indiana guy at heart. Mm-hmm. See, this so is the, I, I personally want you. him to come back to school. Let me just stop you right here. Where uh, this is this is where we've reached. This is where we've gotten to with Romeo Langford. Is that every time I ask anyone about Romeo Langford, the, it takes like thirty seconds to just go. <sighs> yes, we really want him mm. back. Actually, and that yeah. is uh, that's really all that needs to be said about uh, the, the year he had. He wasn't bad. It just like the guy. I mean, maybe I should ask you about this. Did, did we talk about this last summer where Romeo was the savior? Like, Romeo was a bigger recruit <laughs> yeah. in the state of Indiana than you were. Yeah. You were you were a better recruit, but he was a bigger recruit. <laughs> Which is so dumb. It's hilarious. Yeah, that's not good. And it was, it was partially, if, right. if we're being fair, it was partially his doing. Like, he, I don't know, I guess you could you could argue the kid can make the decision whenever he wants. But at the same time, he did, like, kind of drag it on all yeah. the way forever and then and he I, some small part of him loved going into these gyms and seeing all the middle-aged men in candy stripe pants like losing their minds that a 17 year old looked at them um but that that to me was like the disappointment romeo i think like if none of that had happened if that wasn't the backdrop if romeo lankford was like a three-star recruit from iowa i don't know why i always pick iowa when i'm trying to think of hypotheticals for where guys are from i don't know why that happens um but if he's from i he's just some random kid that's like a three-star crew from iowa and then he just like gets to iu and and balls out and is better than anyone expected i think people actually really like him it's just he was billed as like the savior i mean i mean that he seriously might have been the biggest recruit in the history of the state of indiana i personally for him i mean because we all know he wasn't healthy all year like something's wrong with his hand all mm-hmm. year I just think one more year at school to have a healthy year um, would just solidify his top five, top ten projected pick for me. And then as a kid from Indiana, it, it would be great to see him do that at that school. And he's got a good class coming in next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also in a situation where if you're not in the top 14, and I don't, I mean, I've seen him, you know, 17, I've seen him 10, I've seen him 20. If you're not a lottery pick and you don't have that option on that fourth year, 
I mean, you're 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 playing a gambling game at, but he, at that point anyway. But he is staying in. He's yes. officially staying in. Yes, and so, I, you know, I will yeah. say this: your Indiana fans—they were very upset with Romeo. I saw he put the, "I'm going to stay in the draft. I'm going to go." And the candy stripe men, the, 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 the mini yeah. men in the candy stripe pants and the mini gyms across Indiana were very upset in the comments at Romeo. But as you know, with Romeo, it's always a tra- tragic love affair. You know what I mean? It always ends poorly. There you go. So here we are. There you go. But yeah, the, the kid was. I mean, he was he was a top five pick in at the start of the season, and um, I don't know. He, so, what? How close were you to coming back? Is this a thing that people actually look at you smiling? So I know. I, I, we, have we talked about this on the podcast? I, I don't I've talked to you about it a have. million times, but um, yeah. How close were you to actually coming back? Because it feels like anytime guys think they have any shot whatsoever going first round, they're gone, and. The the exceptions are notable because they're so rare. Like the mm-hmm. Miles Bridges and Marcus Smarts out there, we remember those because it's like, what the hell? What an idiot! And even then, like, or or the Ty Lawsons. Yeah, like it worked mm-hmm. out for Miles Bridges, but still, it didn't work out. Like it's still like people are like, okay, it kind of worked out, and he had a good. But- Hold on, don't you slander Miles Bridges? He's a monster. Great Charlotte Hornet. Said he had a bad rookie year. He's going to bounce back. Right. It worked out, but it didn't work out. But then it, I, I don't know. It, like, no one can, no, no one, if you come back to school, we talked about this on the podcast the other day where, where RJ Hampton is, is uh, he's going to New Zealand. It's reached a point where anytime anyone decides they want to play college basketball, the the world at large is like, you're an idiot, dude. What are you mm-hmm. doing? Go get paid now. Um, but all these guys are like, Zion says, I would love to come back to Duke if I could. I know you personally, I, I'll let you talk in a second. Uh you loved your college basketball experience from mm-hmm. what I can get all the times we've talked about it. Um, so it feels like the players would love to come back, but at the same time, they they never, ever, ever do. So how close are, are you? Do you just say this so that you curry favor for Ohio State fans? Because if you came out and you're like, hell no, I was never coming back, then maybe Ohio State fans would be mad at you. Or, no. So you just pretend like I, I was interested in coming back? No, I wanted to come back. I, I went to class after the national championship game, you know, I, I tried I to, <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I tried to stay involved in, in school as much as you could, but for me, it, cars were stopping and people were hopping out to ask for pictures and autographs. It took me 45 minutes to get to a class. It took me 10 minutes to walk just the week before the national championship. So it was like, I physically couldn't even get to class on time. Um, but you know, a lot of you left. A lot of times, yeah, for a big part. And then, oh, way to go, Ohio State Ohio's, students. Ohio State Get out students of the way. Blood. It yes. wasn't students. It was the grown men. All they, had to, do, the all they had to do was And they were space. still in candy stripe pants. I don't understand. <laughs> no, but it, it's tough because, you know, these, a lot of these kids, they want to stay kids. I mean, the college experience is one of the greatest things you can have just as developing as a young man, young woman. Um, it's that last part where you can kind of fuck up and have that cover over you. Yeah. You know, um, and, and you want that, but the world around you is saying, no, right. go make that money. You have to, this is what we're telling you. And that's why it's so awkward when a guy's like, no, I, I don't want that yet. I, I still want to be a kid. I still want to enjoy this. I still aspire to be something in Ohio State's all-time record books. I mean, that's something I always thought about when I went there. Like, mm-hmm. I wanted to win the most games, have the most block shots, most games played, you know, have, have that walk out senior year and cry like you did, you I, know. I, it was a bit. It was just a bit. <laughs> no, was it wasn't. For, yeah. You couldn't even stop. <laughs> it's going to be your reaction when Mike Conley gets traded <laughs> to the Clippers. <laughs> um, I, think, I think what you just said, uh, for some reason, people that don't follow college basketball they, they they either don't believe that or they do believe it and like blows their mind that someone in your position who from the I don't know I don't know the first time you were projected to be the number one pick in the draft like when you were 16 15 something like that people were saying whenever you come out you'll probably be number one um the idea that someone like you could say I would love to stay for you like I really really love college basketball um I don't know P- people don't believe that and it's really frustrating for us because we understand that yeah that people like um, that you guys do care about. I mean, I mean let's yeah. say that. I mean, Kevin Durant is another example of that. I mean, he was on Bill's podcast and we're sitting afterwards and he's playing with Texas on NCAA basketball 09. And Bill's like, why? You really care what? about? Yeah. Like, what, you know? And he's like, yeah. People he's think like, he's that, like, this yeah. means the world to me. I love Austin. It's my favorite city. And especially you being uh, being forced. You were the fir- we were the first. We, we I'll throw myself in there. Mm-hmm. I was I was also recruited uh, coming out of high school. Um, we were the first recruiting class that was forced to go to college. I maybe would have gone to the NBA. T- who knows? 
I can't live in a hypothetical Dreams world. aren't over. I was forced to go to college. Say it. I um, still got some left in the tank. So it feels... Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready to make my comeback. <laughs> I still have some left in the tank. Fuck uh, <laughs> So... Uh, with that, there's there's that perception too that even even a guy like Durant who loved Texas and a guy like you that loved Ohio State, you were still forced to go there, and it was, it was like a it was Stockholm syndrome. Mm-hmm. You're you're a hostage. They made you love them, and now you moved on. But it's like you don't really come on, Greg. You don't really love uh, like college basketball that much, you know. So this is a funny story. I don't know if we ever told this one, but so we land the day after the national championship game, mm-hmm. and it's like a whole bunch of people in this little hangar here, fans cheering for the parade that should have been. Um, and then they like hand a mic and Ronnie Stokes is asking us questions. He goes to Mark and I'm standing right next to him and Mark's like, I just want to thank you all for this year, holding back his tears and goes, I just want you all to know I will be returning for my sophomore year. (laughs) And then he looks at me and hands me the mic and I'm like, fuck you, Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. That shit was funny as hell. It was like, I will be returning for my sophomore year and just... Greg, Greg, your thoughts. Greg, your thoughts. <laughs> they were doing that to, uh, at the Virginia celebration when Virginia won the title. Um, mm-hmm. They were doing that to those guys like DeAndre Hunter and Ty Jerome. and yeah. Kyle, like, whoever, The guy running the program was just basically like, uh, so, uh, anything you guys want to say to all these fans? And they're like, fuck no. I just got a text <laughs> from <Yeah>. my agent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It would have been hilarious if they announced they were going pro there. Right yeah, there, it just like backfired. Crowd goes wild. <laughs> but they, they just get it. Uh, yeah, they phrase it the wrong way. Yeah. They're like, after talking with my family, we decided that I'm going to the NBA. And then everyone just gets crazy. And they're like, wait, what did he say? Fuck. 48th pick to the Nets. Let's I'm go. coming back oh, shit. to make my decision that I will be in the NBA. I'm coming back to get all my shit and go to the NBA. <laughs> oh, Greg, is there um, anything else on the draft that uh, any other any other things that you saw, anyone that you care about, any teams that you're interested in? I, I brought up something to you before the podcast, and this is my Cameron. This, I have the Cameron Wars going on between wings. I got Cameron Johnson versus Cam Reddish, and I want one of them to go to the Hawks. And I don't know which one. The Hawks have the 8th and the 10th pick. And I know it's probably crazy for Cam Johnson to go 10. Maybe they trade back and get Cam Johnson. But you got Trey Young, got John Collins. You got a team pretty well constructed. You got Bazemore and these guys. You got Vince Carter coming off the bench as like a— OG old head to kind of mentor these guys like Elton Brand did with the Sixers for a little while, which is nice. And if you get a guy like Cam Johnson who doesn't take away, doesn't necessarily need shots, also is similar to Trey Young, has a range to 30 feet, I don't know, like that team. So I'm just saying, is there any guy that you could see fitting into an NBA team that's in this draft that you're like, oh, that makes sense to me? Whether it be like Ty Jerome going to the Utah Jazz to be a backup point guard. Hmm. Hmm. Without, no. a, without a little, no. <laughs> he's like, "Where is that piece of paper?" <laughs> I, that's, literally, that's what I'm about to say. I was like, "Without a list of names, I don't know who else I can think about." I mean, just lean into the microphone and go, "No, next just question." Go, just go, damn, <laughs> damn. All right, thanks for doing this, Greg. We will have you back uh, whenever you get your head coaching job. When First the fuck are y'all job. going to upload all your ex shit to um, SoundCloud? Oh yeah, you're you're one of the if you you and one other person in my life listen to our pod on SoundCloud. And yeah. they, uh that's a Kyle question. Kyle, what's going on? Damn, son. I guess I gotta get back on it. I was waiting for someone to notice. I was waiting for somebody. <laughs> it was Greg Oven. All right. Yep. <laughs> Kyle did not expect that. He thought it'd be like one comment, like, where the hell's the pod? Uh all right. Daddy Greg, loves comments. Before we'll, we'll give you uh the microphone real quick. Final thoughts uh, to get yourself hired. Give your, give your pitch, just real quick. Um, really, I enjoy being around the game. I enjoy learning the game. I enjoy the NBA. Mm. I enjoy all this stuff. I enjoy living life. I love my daughter and my wife. And prayers up to my grandmother, Claudette Reeder, who lost her life uh, on May 28th. Um, hey, I'm a good guy. I hope somebody can keep me in a room. An actual good guy, not That's our tough. good, not our type of good guy. He said he's a good guy. He wants to be a coach. It's a problem. No, this is I a know. real good guy. Why is that always a problem? Because good guys don't win <laughs> <laughs> if they don't have time. Well, good guys in college can't win. Mm-hmm. That's I mean, uh, I guess I mean, Tony that's Bennett just... is proving that. But that's that's the fear with Virginia winning the titles, like. Was, were we wrong about oh my, Tony Bennett? Oh my gosh, you know, bodies? good guys really can't no. coach, no. No, it's not that. It's like, 
where is Tony Bennett hiding the bodies? Like he might be a serial killer now. That might be like, cause there's no way you can win titles and be like a great person in college basketball. It just doesn't work. So I, I beg, now I'm worried I about what does it differ. say? What does it say about differ. Tony Bennett? Roy Williams. <laughs> I beg to differ, man. There's good guys out here. They just need a chance. Give them a chance. All right, Greg, thanks for doing this. Um, we'll do it again next year. Something like that. But uh, yeah, appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me. Sports. All right, thanks again to Greg uh, for coming in and doing that. He really didn't need to. He didn't want to either. I, t- I, I got him in. You know how I got him in here, Kyle? I told him our studio is right by Roscoe's. And yeah, well, I was going to say, you guys went to Roscoe's right after. Yeah. I figured it must have been part of we the We went deal. to Roscoe's right He's like, I was like, you want to come in the studio to do a podcast? He's like, I don't really know. And I was like, we can go to Roscoe's after. He's like, done. Let's Literally do a block, it. yeah. Let's let's do it. Uh, Greg, I think he's got the coaching thing down already. He's got the coaching the speak coach down. The coach speak for sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think he really understood when I was telling him that when you're recruiting guys, you can't be direct with them. You got to kiss their ass. That's what I'm worried about that with him. When he was like, I'm going to go into these living rooms and just shoot them straight. I was like, I, I appreciate that, but that's not what guys want to hear these days. They want to hear like, you are the best thing ever. You get them on campus. It's a, it's a bait and switch, Kyle. Right. You kiss their ass to get them to sign. And then as soon as you sign, you say, go sit your ass on the bench. Boot you suck. camp, basically. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's Please. how it's supposed to work. So, but that's, he wants to coach in the NBA though. So maybe he won't have to worry about any of that. But uh, thank you to Greg. Uh, we we appreciate. It. We'll have them back on at some point. I'm sure. Um, we, we need to do this more. Just have guys guys that we know come on. Yeah. Um. So anyway, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Like I said, Tate will hopefully be back. That'll uh, it'll it'll be fascinating to hear. Uh, we'll have to have a new mystery if the hit the play the music, Kyle. T- t- Tate's <laughs> gonna be like laying. He has to lay on the ground at all times to to record a podcast. It'll be it'll be very fascinating to see how we do this. But uh, we will find out next Tuesday. We'll be back. See you guys.